Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. Sense Pants Radio, Australia's dumbest podcast network. Hello, fan fiction fans, and welcome to the very first episode of the Dear Harry Slash Spot podcast. This is a podcast where comedians read out their original fan fiction for your listening pleasure. Hi, uh, my name is Ellen Waddell. I'm the co-creator and host of the Dear Harry Slash Spot Comedy Night, which has been running in London for over a year. All the fan fiction you're about to hear comes from that very same live show. Plus, we've got some lovely bonus podcast content just for you. We've got some hot takes on Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, The Simpsons, Poltergeist and Harry Potter. Harry, said the voice. You don't even know who I am. However, I shall give you one clue. A riddle. Harry Potter, how much do you know? I changed my name to Voldemort as I did grow. I was a diary and I don't like your friend Ron. My last name is Riddle and my first name is Tom. Who am I? (laughs) Now, just in case you're listening to this and have no fracking idea what fan fiction is, I'm going to give you a very quick explanation. Fan fiction is where people write stories using characters from already existing fictional properties. They can be from books, TV shows, films, memes, dreams, or even the real world. With fan fiction, there are absolutely no rules. And you can do whatever you want with those characters. And you probably won't get sued. Have you always wanted Harry Potter to hook up with Malfoy? Then you can write some fan fiction about it. Are you annoyed at how Game of Thrones ended with the take-home message of bitches be crazy? Write some fanfiction about it. Do you want Thomas Hardy to turn up in Downton Abbey with scones for tea and no trousers on? Then write some fanfiction about it. Send it to me. And it better be explicit. 
Now, if you haven't seen Star Wars Rise of Skywalker and you don't want spoilers, then please look away from your podcast app now. Here with his take on the film is multi-award winning comic, Jaws Norris. Um, who likes Star Wars? Um, how many of you have seen the, the new one, The Rise of Skywalker? Okay, d- um, is it good? Okay, I've, yeah, I've heard, I've heard mixed stuff. I've not seen it yet. I'm a really big Star Wars fan, and I've not seen it yet, because I've written a fan fiction of, of my imaginary version of what Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker is. And I didn't want to watch it until after I'd shared it with you, and then I'm going to go and see it tomorrow and find out how right I got it. So that's going to be fun. Um, just a word of warning, it is a fan fiction, so it's, it's stupid, okay? So if you've seen it, and you're like, that's nonsense. I know, I've written a really stupid fan fiction version, and it's just full of sort of moments of fan fiction that don't really make sense and shouldn't be there, and it's full of bad decisions. Um, but it's a fan fiction. It's my, it's my version of what I think the film might be. So here we go. Let's see how it goes. <clears throat> see how right I got it. Uh, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away... Star Wars, Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, brackets, Jos Norris's ridiculous fan fiction version. <laughs> Close brackets. The dead speak. <laughs> I thought it would be a spooky way to begin. Um, just it already sounds quite silly. Uh, Emperor Palpatine's back, basically. Do you remember El- Emperor Palpatine from Return of the Jedi? Yeah. I've, put, I've put him in it. Um, he's back. He's presumably some. He's presumably like a zombie, or he's ba- he's back anyway. He's back from the dead. Possibly he never died. It might be he never actually died, or he's a clone. It do- it doesn't really matter. I'll remind you again. It's a fan fiction. Um, and I know what some of you are probably thinking. That that surely that completely ruins the first six films of the saga, doesn't it? Including the middle three that people actually like and are quite sort of important in cinema history. Yes, but it's my fan fiction version. Um, the other thing you're going to flag up, where's he been hiding all this time? I have thought about that. Um, I don't really want to get too bogged down in, in too much detail, because, again, like I said, this is a fan fiction, and it's not the actual plot of the film. That would be nonsense. But basically, if it bothers you that much, you need me to explain it. Um, he spent 30 years on a, a magic planet. Um, <laughs> we, maybe magic. I mean, we've never, we've never really sort of said that magic is a thing in Star Wars before, but it's, it's, he's there, and you've... But, I don't know if it's really magic, but you need, like, a magic talisman to get there because it's in, like, another dimension or something. Don't worry about it. It's probably fine. Anyway, so he's back, and he's on this magic planet, and he's building star destroyers with his magic, even though they are science. Uh, He's building those. And these star destroyers aren't just star destroyers. They're actually Death Stars. Who likes the Death Star? Do you remember um, remember New Hope with the Death Star? Did you like that? Um, Do you remember in Return of the Jedi when they had a Death Star? Who likes that? Um, do you remember in The Force Awakens when there was like a big, like a big Death Star? Do you remember that? That was good, wasn't it? Who likes Rogue One? Who likes Rogue One? Do you remember the whole, all the stuff with the Death Star? This film's got a thousand Death Stars in it. Uh, there's a thousand Death Stars. They're all Star Destroyers, but they're Death Stars now. So they're there. Um, Kylo, Kylo Ren turns up. Basically, Kylo Ren turns up to the magic planet that's hidden in another dimension to talk to the zombie Emperor Palpatine. I know, it's nuts. Uh, <laughs> And he says, uh, he says, he goes to find out why Emperor Palpatine's in the film now. He says, why are you in the film? Aha! Uh, oh, he says, hang on. He says, hang on. If you were behind everything all along and you're running everything, then who was Supreme Leader Snoke? 
few of you are probably thinking that. Who was Supreme Leader Snoke? What was all that about? Ah, says the Emperor. I've got an answer for that. I grew him in a pot. <laughs> I grew him in a pot. What? Says Kylo Ren. What are you talking about? I grew him in a pot. I don't know. It's a fan fiction. I grew him in a fucking pot. Look, there he is. He points. Kylo Ren looks behind him and sees, sure enough, Supreme Leader Snoke was grown in a pot and he's dead now and he need never be mentioned again. Uh, oh, yeah, fair enough, says Kylo Ren. Yeah, you grew him in a pot. Yep, says Zombie Emperor Palpatine. Now, would you like a thousand Death Stars? We, we leave them. We leave them to it. Uh, we're, we're back to our heroes. We're going to find out what's going on with our heroes. What are they up to? Rey is completing her Jedi training, but she's now completing her Jedi training after Luke Skywalker's sacrifice in The Last Jedi. She's completing her training with Princess Leia. Uh, since embracing her role as the mysterious Jedi mentor, Princess Leia has adopted a strange new personality where she now only speaks in extremely vague sentences <laughs> that sort of mean nothing and, and could feasibly be a response to literally anything that anyone else has said. Um, she does this so much that we're often reliant on the characters she's interacting with saying things like, I know you're only saying that to protect me in order for us to understand what she actually meant. Um, it's very odd. I don't know why she's behaving in this way. I guess it's because of the sort of mysteries of the force that she's now adopted. Um, again, it is a fan fiction, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, obviously, the actual film wouldn't treat one of the most beloved characters in film portrayed by a tragically recently deceased iconic actor in such a perfunctory and offensive way as I'm suggesting here. Um, <laughs> It's weird, though. She behaves in a weird way in this film. Oh, later on, she becomes so mysterious that halfway through one scene, she literally just sort of wanders off screen without saying anything, and one of the characters she's left behind turns to the other one and says, I think she's going to heroically sacrifice herself, and we don't see her again. <laughs> Imagine if they did that! Imagine if they did that! Okay, so, uh, what else is going on? That's Princess Leia and Rey. What else is going on? There's so much going on. There's so much going on. We've got all our heroes. They're all up to stuff. All our favourite characters are up to lots of different subplots going on. Rose, you know? There's so much going on. There's just loads of, loads of stuff going on. Um, so Rey, Finn, Poe, Chewbacca and C-3PO go to another desert planet. It's not Tatooine. It's, it's another desert planet. So they go to that. Is it, does anybody else think it's weird that all the planets in Star Wars have, have one biome? <laughs> I think it's odd. I know, like, if anyone goes to a planet, everyone knows where on that planet to find them. Everyone will be like, we'll go and hide on that planet, and then the bad guys will be like, oh, they're on Endor, and then they go to Endor and they find them. Imagine trying to find someone on Earth. They're on Earth. You go, oh, great. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, they go to this... They go to this desert planet. Oh, this is exciting. You'll like this. You'll like this. This is one for the fans. Uh, it's at this point that our heroes run into none other than the legendary rebellion general, Lando Calrissian. Who likes Lando? Do you remember Lando? Lando's in it. Let's hear it for Lando. Woo! Yeah, Lando's in, the Lando's in it, guys. They've met Lando. I've got a bad feeling about this, he says. Lando's in it. Woo! Let's hear it for Lando! Our heroes continue on their journey. He, do, <laughs> he, do, he does do more. He does, a bit, he does a bit more. I've put a bit later on, uh, Poe is in the rebel base and he's having a sort of a crisis of confidence. Who shows up? It's Lando! Lando shows Let's hear it for Lando! See, he's in it. He is in it. Um... Oh, General Hux. Do you remember General Hux? What's going on with General Hux? You'll remember him. He's the character that we uh, sort of introduced in The Force Awakens, and we introduced him by sort of making him quite strongly analogous to Adolf Hitler. Do you remember him? Um, he's now good. 
He's just good now. Uh, don't worry about the implications of that for too long because he's quite quickly killed and replaced by a new character about whom we know nothing. Uh, so there's him. Oh, I've put in, there's a sort of a subplot. I don't know why I've put this in, but I've put in that there's a subplot just to quickly prove that Poe and Finn are not gay. <laughs> just to quickly kind of clarify that, because... Just, not, not because it's not okay to have gay characters in Star Wars, but, like, it's an inclusive universe, so it can... Why the leads, you know? Why the leads? Why does it need to be the lead? Like, anyone can be gay in Star Wars, you know? So why the, why the leads? Like, the whole point of Last Jedi was, like, anyone can be a Jedi, so, like, anyone can be gay. Anyone in Star Wars can be gay. Why the leads? Why not, like, the, those, those two over there? These two, those two in the background. They could be gay. They could be gay. Anyone could be gay. So, like, those, those two soldiers in the background. But um, just to clarify, Poe and Finn are not gay. Uh, we put in a subplot. There's a scene where Poe asks a woman if he can kiss her. It does sound clunky. It does sound clunky. But it's just so we know. There's a scene. He meets a woman. He goes, can I kiss you? She goes, no. But the audience goes, not gay. Great. Cool. I get it. I get it. So that's there. Um, oh, uh, Ray is the Emperor's granddaughter. That's just a fun, stupid thing I've put in. Um, I know that undoes sort of the most interesting storytelling choice from The Last Jedi, but I've just put it in there. Um, also, I know, I know granddaughter's an odd choice, considering she's sort of quite a bit younger than Kylo Ren, who is supposed to be the grandson of a character who was about 10 when the Emperor was about 60. So it, he, she should be his great-great-granddaughter, really. But that's a lot of generations, you know? I don't want my audience thinking about that many generations, so I'd rather have it that he presumably impregnated a woman that was young enough to conceive when he was about 100 and <laughs> looked like a little frog. I'd rather people think about that than that they have to think about, like, great-great-granddad, who gives a shit? So, yeah, he did that. Uh, what else have I put in? We're getting to the big climax now. Oh, Han Solo's in it. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Uh, he's, not a, he's not a force ghost. He's just sort of, he's just sort of there. He's sort of like a memory. He's just in it because like, one of the other characters remembers him. I know that's not really a thing. That's never really been a thing. It's just, like, nobody in this film remembers like, Admiral Akbar, and then he's there. <laughs> nobody goes, oh, Admiral, Admiral Akbar, I remember him. And now he's over there. That doesn't happen, but it does happen with Han Solo because in my fan fiction version, they can get Harrison Ford. And what, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you if you can? Um, so Han Solo's there. His role in it isn't to literally look down the camera and say, this film is dedicated to the memory of Carrie Fisher, but it's to sort of imply that. Um, so he does that. Uh, right, Ray fights the zombie emperor, and the zombie emperor is very powerful. He's very, very powerful. So she passes out and falls down on the floor and then looks up and sees the stars. And then she looks at the stars and she, hears a, she starts to drift into a sort of a dream dimension and she hears a familiar voice. Misa coming to help you fight the bad guys, says Jar Jar Binks. I know you were all wondering when he was going to come back into it. Misa Jar Jar Binks, and Misa come back from the dead. Or maybe I was never dead, or maybe I was a clone or something. Misa, actually the greatest Jedi of all time. And Misa was living on a magic planet in a hidden dimension for 30 years, pulling all of the strings. Misa grew Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker in a pot. Look, there they are, dead in a big pot. Misa was the brains and heart of the entire Star Wars saga. Jar Jar Binks puts all his life energy into Rey and she comes back alive. She's filled with the mystical life force of the almighty Jedi Master Jar Jar Binks. She gets back to her feet. Zombie Emperor Palpatine is horrified. How does she have so much power? And then she sort of wobbles her face and goes like... 
And it's so powerful that she destroys the emperor. She completely destroys the emperor and all of the star destroys. Everything's great. Uh, and then Kylo Ren arrives and they fuck until he is dead. How, how right did I get it? About right. That's all. Thank you so much. You can find Jaws on Twitter at Jaws Norris. J-O-Z Norris. Our next story comes from the amazing, brilliant actress, comedian and all-round good egg, Asha Kluwer. And this is her inspired take on Harry Potter. Hi, hello. Um... I am going to read a Harry Potter parody that I wrote when I was about 14 or 15 uh, that I got my poor mother to dig up off a hard drive somewhere in the depths of Western Australia a couple of weeks ago. Uh, When Ellen was explaining the format, she was like, cool, it's like new writing, parodies, tongue-in-cheek, like satire, cool, or like old, genuine, like cringeworthy, beautiful fan fiction, um, which makes sense. Uh, I think, because the general premise there is that we get more bitter as we age, don't we? Um, Because you get to 30 and no one's giving you a Netflix comedy special and it's like, oh, life's great. Um, But I've done that, I think I've done that backwards because I read this and I was like, fuck me, I was really bitter. Um, um, I'll give you some very, very brief context. Um, It's like 2005, I reckon. Me and my best mate, Aurora, we've been kicked out of the Hoyts Cinema Complex in Fremantle, Perth. There's one Perth person in the audience. Um, For talking during Prisoner of Azkaban um, because we were critiquing it in real time. (laughs) In like a packed out cinema in Harry Potter mania. And we're like, oh, that werewolf's really scrawny. Daniel Radcliffe's shit at acting. Um, Which I don't think. I'm nice now. I think he's really good. He's made really interesting artistic choices. Hasn't he? With his later career, he's done so well. I'm proud of him. Um, Anyway, uh, that's what this... You look nice. There's a for you. So basically, as I'm reading, every time I have a little dig at Daniel Radcliffe slash Harry, it's a, it's a gentle interaction. Don't stress. It's fine. Um, when I take a dig at Daniel Radcliffe slash Harry Potter's acting ability, you go... Row. <laughs> we'll do a test. We'll do a test. Good God, Daniel Radcliffe, he's a bit shit at acting, isn't he? Perfect. Okay. Um, Harry Pothead and the pink fairy armchair of doom. (laughs) Harry fell out of the fireplace and into the Gryffindor common room, pain jarring through his skinny little wrists as he hit the floor. After six books of practice, Harry still hadn't perfected the art of travelling by flu powder. He stood up and brushed the soot off his green robes that brought out the colour in his eyes. He had his mother's eyes. Did I mention that he had his mother's eyes? Looking around, Harry noticed that the common room hadn't changed at all in the year he'd been away looking for the remaining Horcruxes. The same old armchairs, study tables, and of course that one darkened corner where he'd spent a night with Ginny. And that one with Malfoy. And and those two with Ron. And that desperate, desperate night with Hermione. Speaking of Hermione, on the armchair farthest away from the fire sat, was it an overgrown ferret? Was it a mop the house elves had left behind? No, it was Hermione and her hair. (laughs) Harry, 
she said. I've been expecting you. You got my letters then, Harry replied. <laughs> he's from South London, I think, because I don't have many accents and voices available to me. So that's, that's what he's doing. Um, Hermione lit a candle and pointed her wand at it. It rose, quivering, and then hovered above her head. Where's Ron? asked Harry. He went to the toilet. <laughs> Harry looked up in surprise. In his six years of school at Hogwarts, he'd never once seen Ron go to the toilet. <laughs> Suddenly, the portrait hole swung open and a familiar gangly figure emerged. Ron! cried Harry. Harry! cried Ron. Ron! cried Harry, though he wasn't actually crying because he couldn't act for peanuts. No. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, Ron ran forwards towards him, but his foot caught on the hearth rug as he went. Shit! He exclaimed as he hit the floor. Miles away at the burrow, Mrs. Weasley had a stroke, as she did every time her little boy said a naughty word. Back at Hogwarts, Ron got up clumsily and kicked the rug responsible. Well, that ruined the perfect movie moment reunion, muttered Hermione under her breath, though everyone heard anyway. Oi, shut your hole, Hermsy! said a very Australian Ron. <laughs> I don't have many voices, that's it, that's the full range. It's not my fault my feet are a size 1,338.2. Hermsy? What? Uh, what? Said Ron, said Ron defensively, from his ears turning red, then purple, then green, then blue, then red again. From her armchair, Hermione blushed and cast her eyes downwards. So they were both cheating on him then, Harry thought angrily to himself. <laughs> he could feel the anger building in his chest and spreading throughout his body. This was not how this encounter was supposed to be going. He had something important to tell them. Now he could feel semi-real tears building in the back of his throat. Finally, those acting lessons were paying off. <laughs> yes. Sorry I took so long, said Ron. We got in your letter that you'd be here at midnight, so I thought I'd have time to go to the toilet, but I had to queue for hours. Every single cubicle was full of kids crying or brewing illegal potions. I mean, he stopped when he saw the look on Harry's face. Harry, said Hermione, what's wrong? <laughs> it's me, said Harry. <laughs> I found the last Horcrux. Don't you get it? It's me. I am the last Horcrux. Voldemort can't be killed until I am dead. Gee, Harry, isn't that a little self-centred? <laughs> Fuming, Harry gave Ron a swift kick in the groin. Ron staggered backwards in pain and collapsed into a pink furry armchair next to Hermione. Sorry, Ron, he said sheepishly. Ah, we'll say it never happened, said Ron, though he winced when he tried to stand up. Give me a hand up, will you, Harry? He said, reaching out his six-foot-long arm. <laughs> Harry pulled with all his might, but he couldn't free Ron from the chair. What's going on? said Hermione. I don't know, said Harry. I can't get him off this chair. Suddenly Ron screamed, Ah, help, it burned me, this chair just burned my ah. He stopped just in time to spare his mother of another stroke. <laughs> oh no, cried Hermione. I've read about chairs like this. An evil being inhabits an object, usually a pink furry armchair, uh, and when someone sits in it, they get stuck in it and, and they get burned. Oh, I knew this pink furry armchair was no good. Don't worry, Ron. Luckily, I can, rem I can remember the counter curse, but once I use it, the evil being will be in the room with us. There must be another way. Ow, 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 just 
just bloody do it, Hermione. Okay, she said, pulling out her wand. Here goes. Buttiest, unstickiest. A flash of purple light erupted from Hermione's wand and hit the chair. She screamed as Ron flew off the chair and hit the wall on the other side of the room. On the seat of the pink furry armchair, a bottomless black hole had opened up. Harry saw two snake-like eyes staring back at him from inside the blackness. His blood chilled and all his messy and always untidy hair stood on end. (laughs) Suddenly, Harry felt a sharp pain in his scar. He touched it with his fingers, but... Oh, wait, it wasn't there. Then he remembered and traced it to his fingers where the the continuity people had drawn it on today. Uh, Just below his left temples. It was hot under his fingers and throbbed painfully. This could only mean one thing. Harry Potter (laughs) rasped the voice from inside the black hole Harry I am your father (laughs) I knew it cried Hermione then she fainted (laughs) what? said Harry that's not right (sighs) oh No, it isn't, is it? Uh, Hang on a minute. Harry Potter, I killed your father. You! screamed Harry. He quickly cut up an onion and squeezed it in front of his face, and then he added some glycerine eye drops for minty, fresh, authentic tears. That's the last one. You're done. Yes. Yes. I hate you, he shrieked. But Harry, said the voice, you don't even know who I am. However, I shall give you one clue, a riddle. Then out of the black hole emerged a figure, so very familiar to Harry, it was like they could be brothers. Harry Potter, how much do you know? I changed my name to Voldemort as I did grow. I was a diary and I don't like your friend Ron. My last name is Riddle and my first name is Tom. Who am I? Harry looked puzzled. (laughs) Suddenly, Hermione awoke from her faint. Don't worry, Harry. I'll look it up in Hogwarts, a history. I read it at least three times a day. It's bound to have something in here to do with this riddle. Riddle drew himself up to his full height. I shall leave you to muse upon it further, he said. Then he left. Harry continued to look puzzled. Ah, well, he said to no one in particular. Then he went to bed without taking a shower and slept very uncomfortably in his robes as opposed to pyjamas. At least the robes brought out the colour in his eyes. He had his mother's eyes. <laughs> Did I mention that he had his mother's eyes? <laughs> Thank you very much. You can follow Asher on Twitter at Asher Cornelia, which is A-S-H-A-C-O-R-N-E-L-I-A. So, now, what? Now, we all know that sci-fi and supernatural films involve a large amount of damage and destruction. Yet for some reason, few of those blockbusters have any scenes about claiming accident insurance. But there was one cinema classic that actually did. Here's a deleted scene from Steven Spielberg's 1982 horror, Poltergeist. Hello, accident insurance. I'm Richard. How can I help you? Hi, I'd like to make a claim on my house. Certainly. What happened? Well, it sort of collapsed in on itself and squeezed into a ghost portal. Right. 
Debbie? Yeah? I can't find how to collapse into a ghost pool on the drop-down menu. Right, you have to select external damage first. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Debbie. Sorry about that. Was the third party responsible for the damage, or would it count as an act of God? Oh, um, um, I, I don't know. It, it was caused by more of an ancient, unrested spirit beast. I'll put it down third party. Do you have his insurance details? Who? The ancient spirit beast. No. <sighs> Debbie? Yeah? She doesn't have the ancient spirit beast insurance details. Oh, just click unavailable. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Debbie. Sorry about that. Da, 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 da. Did the house contain any high-value items? Yes. What? The house. Right. And were the windows damaged? Yes. Can you describe the damage? They were sucked into the ghost vortex. Into the ghost vortex. Oh, I'm afraid it's bad news, actually. You didn't purchase ghost vortex cover. Oh, oh gosh, all right, banana, for not yeah. getting it now. Yeah, well, it's easily done. You don't think it'll happen to you until it does. Last week, my house was sucked into a mirror world, but what can you do? Oh, well, lovely speaking to you. Don't hesitate to call again. Bye. I guess the main take-home of that short drama is that if you do live on or next to an ancient Indian burial ground, make sure you get the right insurance. Cheers to Catherine Bennett Fox, Steve Dawson and Charlie Kemp for their fantastic performances in that sketch. That's right, it was a sketch, not real life. Ah! Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. While we're in the world of drama, let's move on to our final story. It's from a wonderful writer and comedian, David McIver. And he had a very somber but darkly funny take on The Simpsons. Oh, hi. Thank you very much. Uh, Has anybody heard of The Simpsons? Uh, Oh, that's a relief. Good. Um, I've I've written some stuff about this. The problem with The Simpsons, though, is uh, it's very uh, it's very frivolous, isn't it? It's very it's just it's just silly. It's too silly. Uh, so uh, I've reimagined The Simpsons if it was like a hard hitting, uh, gritty drama. Um, I, I I really like twenty two short films about Springfield, so I wanted to do twenty two uh, really sh- sad short stories about Springfield, uh, but I got bored and wrote eight. So <laughs> that's twenty two's loads. So eight's quite good, actually. Um, Here we go. Let's crack into it, and I apologise in advance. So, Homer Simpson put both his hands around his son's neck and clenched hard. (laughs) He clenched with such force that Bart's eyes bulged in and out of their sockets like wet balloons, and his protruding tongue flickered spasmodically into zigzags. (laughs) 
Marge, using an old newspaper moistened by tears, <laughs> wafted the scent of a freshly baked apple pie towards her husband. The distracted beast put down his only son and turned his hunger towards the pie. And as he ate, the sweet pastry's saturated fats attacked what was left of the man's shriveled heart. <laughs> Seven more to go. <laughs> this, this is the only dirty one, I promise. Waylon Smithers sat stroking his tumescent member. <laughs> thinking of his boss, Montgomery Burns. The crueler Mr. Burns was, and the worse he treated Smithers, the more he wanted him. Just last week, Smithers was stung by a bee and sent into anaphylactic shock, and Mr. Burns refused to pedal the back half of their tandem bicycle towards the hospital. <laughs> thinking back to this instant now... His turgid baton gleamed white at its tip. <laughs> Cleaning himself up with tissues, one for the mess below his waist and one for the streaks beneath his eyes. <laughs> Smithers wondered whether he had any self-respect left at all. Okay, six more. Let's crack on. <laughs> Abraham Simpson sat alone in the room of his retirement home, watching out the window for any hint of company. His best friend... Yes, are indeed... <laughs> His best friend Jasper could hardly remember his name, and the nurses were as apathetic and unfeeling as the stiff and decrepit furniture. Occasionally his grandson Bart would visit, but it was usually to extract money from the old man, or to enact some kind of cruel prank. Silently, Abe Simpson thought back to the war and wished the roulette wheel of bombs and bullets had not been so kind in letting him live. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> As Dr. Nick Riviera sliced into the patient's artery, blood squirted in rivulets around the operating theatre. The heart rate monitor went dead, as did the patient. <laughs> it was on days like this that Dr. Riviera regretted forging his medical certificate to become one of the leading surgeons on the emergency ward. How many lives had he taken now? through his negligence. He looked down at the body on the table and tried to find the words to make it all okay. He shrugged his shoulders and opened his mouth. Whoopsie-daisy. <laughs> the nurses nodded solemnly in agreement. <laughs> Krusty the clown took a drag of his cigarette and finished his whiskey. The stage manager beckoned him towards the cameras and the children, whose excited screams rattled his hungover brain like a discordant harp. He strained to stretch a smile so wide across his face that no one would have no one that one would have to stare so deeply into his eyes in order to notice his sadness, but nobody ever did. Hey, hey, kids, he exclaimed, or rather his body exclaimed, while his mind retreated into itself like a bucket lowering itself into a well, connecting nothing but tears. <laughs> Police Chief Clancy Wiggum slammed a briefcase on the deputy commissioner's table. Here's the money we confiscated from the drug deal, declared Wiggum. The deputy commissioner gladly took the briefcase in his hands. Excellent, we can put this money towards the repairs on our underfunded schools. He opened the briefcase, and inside it was full, not of money, but of donuts. It was then that Chief Wiggum remembered he had squandered $10 million on donuts. <laughs> the chief dropped to his knees. I have a problem, he sobbed. In the distance, a climbing frame in the playground of a local school could be heard crumbling under its own weight. 
Bit of fun, aren't they? <laughs> Apu Nahasapima Petalon looked at the time. His delirious, work-fatigued eyes made the clock face blurry and the hands appeared to be turning backwards. He'd been on shift for 36 hours now. He would describe himself as a cog in the machine of neoliberalism, but at least a cog has the benefit of being totally without feeling. (laughs) Then again, he was getting there with that too. As he squeezed himself another squishy, he tried to picture the faces of his eight children, but instead pictured the black shroud of death enveloping him and smiled. (laughs) Last one now, come on. Hi diddly hi, neighbourino, said Ned Flanders, in a very friendly way. Once again, Homer did not say hello. Beat it, Flanders, he barked back. Ned reflected upon the feeling of being a spider, trapped under a glass, looking at the people walking around him, but being unable to connect with anyone. That night he tried to pray for an end to his loneliness, but was disturbed by Homer, coming home drunk from a night at Moe's, pissing in his flower bed. (laughs) This has been nice. Uh, Sorry for ruining The Simpsons. Uh, I'm David McIver. You've got a nice night ahead of you. Thank you. So dark. Those von Trier eat your heart out and film it with Dogma 95 rules. If you want to contact David or give him an Oscar, you can get him on Twitter at BigDavidMcIver. Uh, MacIver is M-C-I-V-E-R and Big is B-I-G. Thank you so much for listening. If you've made it this far, I love you. You're great. Come round. I'll make you bolognese. So a lot of wonderful people have worked very hard to make this podcast. To help us keep making it, please subscribe and review us on iTunes or whatever you're listening on right now. And just give us like all the stars. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Dear Harry Spock. And you can join us on Facebook as well. You can follow me on social media. I'm at Ellen Starbuck. That's star S-T-A-R, Buck, B-U-C-K, and Ellen with two L's, uh, not nine. Coming up on the next Dear Harry slash Spock, we've got tales of James Bond, Russell Brand, and Peggy Carter. Dear Harry Slash Spock was written and presented by Ellen Waddell. The show was produced and engineered by Steve Dawson. Bye! Bye Bye-bye! Bye! Safe journey! Text me when you get home. See you later!